Hi, I'm Brian. And I'm Michaela. And this is Drink the Movies. A podcast where each week we try to recreate a classic movie drink and discuss the movie that inspired it. Thanks for joining us. Now let's drink the movies. Well, hello and welcome to episode 126 of Drink the Movies. I'm Brian here as always with Michaela. And Michaela, the year was 1868. And a little novel came out by Louisa May Alcott called Little Women. Uh, since then, there have been, I don't know, approximately 500 iterations of Little Women. Uh, but, you know, you know, recent history uh, is, is inclined to take the lead here. Uh, in 2019, we got a new version, Best Picture nominee, Little Women. Little Women, indeed. Uh, and this Little Women was filled with very famous women. Uh, this cast uh, for this 2019 film is amazing. You got Emma Watson. You've got Meryl Streep. You've got our favorite person in the world, Laura Dern. I mean, there's the and the most amazing Florence Pugh. I, I mean, and that's just the beginning. There's like six other women. <laughs> it's it's Sorcia Ronan, uh, who is who is amazing and everything she touches, even though she still looks like she's 17. Um, I, I absolutely uh, love this cast. And so I had to tell you, I have to tell you, I, I wanted to hate it um, because it is like number 37 of all the little women out there. Um, but yeah, we're going to talk about it and we're going to talk about a, a wonderful cocktail that you helped find, did all the legwork finding and creating yeah. and putting together for us. I'm That's, so excited yeah. about this episode. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, Little Women, like we said, there's been a lot of iterations, but we're talking the new one this week. But before we do, we're going to have to uh, whip up a cocktail um, and a mocktail. It's going to require a special ingredient. So stick with us. So why don't we do this, Michaela? Let's take a quick break and we'll be right back to get this week's uh, cocktail going uh, for Little Women. We'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So the line that I love uh, about this, uh, and I don't know, have you read the book? Because this is a, an adaptation of a novel, as you said, right? I, did you it, ever it, read it the is. book? I did not uh, read the book. Um, you know, I, I uh, missed that uh, in school. I know a in lot school. of people will read that, uh, you know, in their uh, in their school days and things like that. But I never read the book. But apparently in doing some research, uh, there's, there's like a whole bunch of uh, websites you can go and learn all about the book all about the thousand of iterations of movies and TV movies and miniseries and, and all the things on there. But one of the most fun things that I found was there was this list that had all of the food and all of the drinks and everything that was uh, consumed in the book and like the number of times they were consumed. And one of the big ones in the book are pickled limes. Pickled limes. Now, so pickling uh, is just a term for like vinegar and sugar uh, that you put things in. So when people think of pickles, um, they think of pickled cucumbers, which is mm -hmm. like the I, conventionally now, that's what people think of. But they have pickled beets and pickled eggs and pickled okra and all sorts of pickled stuff. Um, that all sounds disgusting and horrible to me. Limes? I don't know. That that sounds almost just as bad. I, I've never even heard of pickle limes. I myself uh, don't remember that from the book at all. But um, 
but I believe well, you. You were I, you were not paying attention then. I apparently <laughs> wasn't because it's apparently. like on like every other page or something, right? Apparently, yeah. Apparently, they're a big deal in the book, and it even gets hearkened to here in this version of Little Women. I'll wipe out your debt and give you five more limes. Besides, a uh, girl uh, tells Amy as she's drawing a picture of the teacher. I believe is who she's drawing that picture of. Uh, so, wh what I was thinking of, what what kind of cocktail are you going to do for Little Women? Right? They didn't drink. Uh, they weren't they weren't drinkers of things really. Uh, they'd have some tea and stuff like that. So we could have went that route. But I was like, I don't know. Pickled lime seems to be pretty important to people that really love uh, Little Women, uh, the book, the movies, you know, all the things. So I was like, well, maybe we'll make some pickled limes. That could be fun. So I looked up some recipes. You can find some recipes out there. I said, that seems like uh, kind of a lot of work. And then I just end up with some pickled limes. I don't know if those are any good. Maybe they were good back, you know, in Civil War times when people were buying them for like a penny or whatever. Uh, but I don't know about right now. Uh, but what I do know about Michaela are shrubs. And if you want to learn more about shrubs, go back and listen to our Lobby Bar episode because we talked all about them. But basically what a shrub is, it's basically like a like a liquid version of a pickle. Um, it's some sugar and water, vinegar, and then kind of whatever fruit you want to use. Uh, and brief history here, that's basically how they used to preserve fruit, right? Going back and forth across the ocean, uh, making sure your fruit didn't spoil. They would they would make this and then you would drink it. You would kind of reconstitute it in some water or uh, put it into a cocktail, something like that. And that is exactly what we're doing. So we mixed up a lime shrub, uh, which is really simple to do, and then did that into a cocktail. Or you could use this lime shrub in a variety of mocktails or basically anything you want to do with it. But a liquid, uh, a liquid pickled lime here, Michaela, the lime shrub. The lime shrub. Well, I'm really excited because uh, you make this up and you can use shrubs uh, for any uh, a mocktail that we would like to make. Um, and so we're going to be doing a lot more of that, I feel. I'm very excited. Um, so, yes, let's dive into the ingredients and how we made this. Um, what Do you want to run through the ingredients then, uh, list yeah. for making this? lime shrub rum concoction <laughs> yeah that's right so uh so you're going to need some lime shrub um now you could you could substitute the lime shrub out for a bunch of them um there's some commercial ones you can get you can make them they're very simple to make like i said go listen to our lobby bar episode where we talk you know more about how they're made and what they are but uh to make up the lime shrub it's super simple um you basically make a simple syrup so i did a cup of water a cup of sugar uh put in the zest and the juice from about eight little small limes in there and then two cups of vinegar you bottle that put it in your fridge it's called the hot method to make a make a shrub you do that so to mix up this cocktail all you're going to do is you're going to take one ounce of that and two ounces of rum put those into a tall like a collins glass or a mug or whatever you want with lots of ice put that in there and then you're going to top that with some ginger beer or ginger ale uh, and uh, consume and enjoy. And it's, uh, I don't know, it's it's oddly delicious. When you when you think of like a vinegar drink, you think, uh, I don't know about that. Uh, but it's really good. I really like this. Um, it's very akin to like a kombucha. If you're familiar with those flavors, that's kind of vinegary. Um, you know, same, same kind of thing here, but a really good way to, I don't know, introduce some different flavors into your cocktails, yeah. I guess. For sure. I got to say, um, when I first looked at the recipe for a lime shrub, I just heard about this whole thing uh, about, a, I don't know, a week and a half ago. And um, when you, Brian, started looking at this and saying, hey, I think I think we're going to be able to kind of create our own cocktail for little women using a lime shrub. I was like, OK, great. Um, and then I looked it up and I was like, oh, OK, <laughs> this sounds interesting. It's it's. The vinegar scares me. <laughs> the vinegar scares me because mm. it's so 
I don't even know what the word is. Um, tangy. It's just got that weird smell. <laughs> it's it's vinegary. It's it's, it's right. The, yeah, it's the name it's, the name describes the thing is what right. it is. Yeah, and exactly. But mouth kind of squirrels up. But I've got to say, um, this was really good, and I love. Uh, that you likened it to kombucha because I couldn't figure out <laughs> how else to describe this because <laughs> it's it's kind of earthy but not like dirt. <laughs> it's <laughs> but it's kind of yeah it's it's got um and it doesn't have a minerality to it but I wanted to say it was kind of earthy because it feels um I, I I don't know like it's much more natural it's it's not this crisp clean. Like when you think of a lime drink, you're thinking of like super like fresh and like, and it's not, it's not that it's, I don't know. I really, I really like that you likened it to kombucha because that it, it's even got the same kind of mouthfeel where mm -hmm. it almost, um, the, the acidity kind of hits, hits the top of your mouth in the same way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that this one, be, because it's lime, um, you can, you can do shrubs with basically any fruit. So you know, they can be, they can be sweeter, um, or things, but I really kind of likened this drink almost to like a dark and stormy that has like this, like sweet and sour kind of undercurrent, uh, to it. So, you know, kind of like that, like sweet and sour, like lime thing, just, just kind of running through it. And I, I really liked it. It was really kind of cooling and refreshing in a way. And shrubs are pretty good for you, uh, medicinally speaking, because vinegar is like a inflammation reducer. So, uh, they've been used, you know, in the past as, uh, some sort of like medicine and stuff like that. And then uh, once you have your shrub made, it basically keeps forever. Or like I said, you can buy a shrub. And then if you want to do a mocktail, just uh, do it into some uh, a little bit of that, like an ounce of the shrub with some club soda, with some ginger ale, ginger beer. Um, you could probably put some into like your regular uh, like soda or like a Sprite kind of thing. Uh, I don't know. Really, the world is your oyster. But I thought that this lime shrub was a good way to kind of pay homage to uh, little women, you know, kind of kind of kind of this obscure uh reference to an ingredient that has you know long been uh forgotten you know to uh, at least us here in in the united states if you have uh pickled limes where you live please let us know how delicious they are because I, I would love to know uh for sure um but i don't know michaela this was this was pretty fun i feel like shrubs are going to be an integral part of my cocktail making it seems like a really good way uh to use up like if you have some limes lemons oranges strawberries whatever the case is you know that are about to go bad Turn them into a shrub. Keep them around forever and put them into a cocktail. There you go. That easy, sounds like easy. a great plan. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm really excited because this this and this gives us a whole new area with which to kind of play around and uh, you know experiment with the different flavors. And I can't believe I'd never heard of this before. I'm I'm just very excited. So it's a it's a great great day here in in <laughs> in the drink the movies studio. It's it is a great day for drink movies. It is a great great day for the March sisters. It is a great day for uh, the shrub. So go back and listen to our uh, lobby bar this uh, past week and get some more a uh, little bit more of a deep dive on shrubs, what they are, where they came from, and stuff like that. But we have a lot to talk about today, Michaela. So why don't we do this? Let's mix up another one of these uh, pickled lime shrub cocktails. We'll take a quick break and we'll be right back to talk about the most recent Little Women. We'll be right back. Spoiler warning for Little Women. All of them. If you've not yet seen any of the Little Women, well, we're only talking really about the 2019 version that was directed by Greta Gerwig and starring Saoirse Ronan 
Emma Watson, Florence Pugh, and a bunch of other people. But we're going to talk about it. And there's a lot of things that happen. If you've read the book, then you're probably not going to be spoiled. But we feel the need to tell you this, even though there's 87 different versions of this. We're going to talk about it. So you've been warned. Yeah. Absolutely. So this this version might be a little different than some other versions, but, uh, you know, the the bulk of the story is still going to be the same. So, yeah, spoiler warning for uh, the movies that started in uh, 1917, I think, was the first one. And yep. uh, they've been going on strong ever since. So, like you said, Michaela, released in 2019, directed by Greta Gerwig. And what a time to be talking about her. She's got that Barbie movie coming out soon. So uh, we decided to go with the new one uh, to uh, pay some honor to her there. So it's got Saoirse Ronan, Emma Watson, Florence Pugh, and Eliza Scanlon are playing our March sisters. Laura Dern, Bob Odenkirk, our Ma and Pa March. Meryl Streep as the wealthy Aunt March, and uh, Timothy Chalamet as uh, Laurie. So uh, there you go, Michaela. Quite the star-studded cast there uh, for this one. And this one, you know, rightfully so, got uh, nominated for a few Academy Awards, six in total. Uh, best score for Alexandra Desplat. Uh, best screenplay for Greta Gerwig. Uh, best actress nominees here, supporting actress for Florence Pugh, and best leading actress for uh, Saoirse Ronan. Uh, best picture? Uh, nominee there, uh, but it only won one, Michaela, and that was for uh, costume design. Jacqueline Duran wins her second Oscar. Uh, she's gotten seven nominees. She's, she's apparently very good at making costumes for films. Uh, she won for Anna Karenina. What do you think about the costumes in this, Michaela? Let's talk about that. Yeah, the costumes are amazing. Um, so I did a little bit of research on this um, because I was so entranced with, um, let's just be honest, I'm a huge fan of Florence Pugh. I have a major crush on her. She is just the most exquisite thing I've ever seen. So um, her costumes, her dresses always looked so great. And I love the scene where she's painting and she's got this really special apron on um, and the way that it sits on her, like on her hips and around her shoulders. And it's different than like a normal apron because of the big hoop skirt. Anyway, I did some research and apparently there's something like 79 uh, individual costumes with all accoutrement need were needed to be done to uh, to complete this little women film. And um, it's all amazing. I mean, the the suiting on Lori and Mr. Burke uh, are just awesome. And the way in which um, as they move from place to place. So you have them in their house and you have them traveling and you have them in the city of New York and then they're on the beach and the way in which um, they show the scalability of the clothing of the time, I thought was mm -hmm. really special. Um, and not only the way in which they're drawn and um, appreciated from like a, a theatrical perspective, but the functionality that had to occur uh, to make these costumes and to make them uh, ev functional to do all the things that they did was amazing. So I, mm -hmm. what, what were your thoughts? Oh yeah, no, I just uh, just kind of echo that. Um, I'd uh, I'd also kind of read, yeah, that there were I don't know in the seventies there uh, different costumes that needed to be made, and I believe that uh, Jacqueline Duran went on to say then that uh, each of the dresses took roughly about forty hours each to uh, 
get put together, uh, which is which is just an incredible undertaking uh, for this thing. If you go back and look kind of at her line of work there, those Oscar nominations, they're all kind of these period piece kind of things. So this was definitely something uh, that was in her uh, wheelhouse. And obviously the story was near and dear to uh, Greta Gerwig, uh, nominated here for Best Adapted Screenplay, uh, Best Picture. Uh, Greta Gerwig has directed, uh, she directed one thing as like a co-director, but then she basically uh, did... Uh, <laughs> she's done uh, two films with the upcoming Barbie uh, nominated best picture on both of those so she apparently has an eye uh, for what she wants to do with this thing and what this thing is is a story about sisters Michaela so let's let's get into this uh, story a little bit we're not going to go uh, beat for beat through this because there's a lot of jumping around time jumping kind of things but I really like the intro to this because you get started there you've got Joe she's sitting in like this newspaper office I really like uh, the gentleman who's uh, kind of sitting across from her, uh, he's he's pretty get uh pretty great and kind of not you know, <laughs> uh, you know, giving her giving her the uh the what for and she's uh, standing up to him, uh, you know, uh, to her best as she's trying to sell some writing to this newspaper, uh, but basically she's trying to sell stories, uh, trying to kind of kind of you know pawn this off uh, under under a pen name kind of thing, submitting it anonymously, and uh, you know he's he's giving her the giving her the uh, bones of what it's going to take to be a writer, right? To keep this short, keep this sweet. Um, if your story is about a woman, make sure that by the end she is married or she is dead. <laughs> yeah, because that's all that matters. Um, I love this version of Little Women because it, to me, is the most feminist version that I've seen. Like, it, um, they all have streams of that for sure because the, of the story itself but i really love uh tracy let's plays mr dashwood and he doesn't care about the integrity of the writing he doesn't care that she this is a love for her like he owns a newspaper and they're in the they're in the business to make money and nobody wants to read about a woman who doesn't get married that's just not something that he thinks is gonna sell and so he's like she's either needs to be dead or she needs to be married it doesn't matter like the only women, the only thing that matters for a woman is what transactional benefit she brings to her husband and to society. Like that's it. Um, and that is really, uh, something that's kind of hits, hits home over and over again. I'd feel like they don't beat you over the head with it. Um, mm -hmm. but it's something that is very well done as a theme through this entire story. And, um, I've seen a couple versions of this before, and I think this one handled that a lot better because I think in, even in the older versions, they really kind of gloss over that because we're still in this time where <laughs> women might need to get married or be dead because that's the only value they bring to earth. So, um, yeah, yeah. so I, I really love that scene. Tracy Letts is great because he just, uh, as he's reading like her stuff, he has no problem with like ripping a page in half and being like, nope, we don't need any of that. <laughs> just figure it out, you know? That's right. Make yeah, absolutely. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So we've got we've got Joe there. She's uh, at this newspaper office in New York. We uh, we skip over. We see Amy played by Florence Pugh. She's over in France. She has a little bit of a run in with Lori, but basically kind of getting the story set up is the the sisters are being called back to uh, their home in Concord, uh, Massachusetts. And then uh, the timeline starts to kind of jump around right as we're going back in time to see the girls uh, kind of growing up and having their uh, 
you know, their their sisterly bonding moments and their sisterly uh, being agitated with each other's uh, moments here. But our, our sisters are led by the oldest sister, Meg March, played by Emma Watson. And uh, she is kind of an aspiring actress of the group here. All of these sisters seem to have a particular skill uh, and uh, hers, hers is acting, but she's a little bit more of a realist because like you said, Michaela, um, this story, it does a this version of the story does a really good job of, you know, kind of illustrating, right? Like what the value of a woman could be, you know, could, could you be an actress? Is that valuable or is it more valuable to uh, get married and provide a life for yourself? And that is a big recurring theme um, in this, right? Uh, even, even uh, Aunt March goes on to say that uh, marriage is uh, very transactional. Uh, women can't make our, we can't make our own money. So you gotta, you gotta marry into it. And that's, that's about it. That's about it. And Meg, realizes that is is kind of the most realist i think of the group um and i don't want to say realist you know to to demean the hopes and dreams of the others but you know for the time and place that this was you know uh, meg picks up on that she she knows what what she needs to do yeah yeah um unfortunately meg ends up marrying uh for love uh instead of money right she ends up marrying um this neighbor's kind of tutor um and it's really tough because they 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 think that um, maybe she'll be the shining light on this family. And, and it's interesting because they keep talking about being poor and they're, they're kind of, they're in this, what they call genteel, genteel. So they have a nice house. They fam the family owned property, um, but they've lost, the father has lost all his money. And now he's off fighting um, for uh, the North in the civil war. And so they um, are kind of left to fend for themselves. And, you know, it's really on, it, it was on Meg to go marry well. She did not marry well. Um, and it and ends up, I remember Aunt March telling Amy, she's like, you know, you're just going to have to marry rich, right? Because everybody else is a failure. <laughs> like, this is it. Like, and so a Amy, when she, even though she's in Paris and she's trying to, she's with Aunt March and she's trying to, um, uh, hone her skills as an artist she's uh she knows that she's going to have to marry very rich and she gets made fun of a lot by their their neighbor friend his name is Laurie, and he happened to be in paris at the same time and i love the scene where she's painting and he comes to visit her in his studio uh in her studio and he asks her why she is interested in this guy freddie um and she says well he's very nice to me and he's very very rich he's even richer than you Laurie." And she says, look, everybody has has had to make decisions and make sacrifices. I like to paint, but I'm I'm not going to be like this famous painter. I'm going to have to marry well because it's a transaction. And and it's like the third or fourth time we've heard that kind of wrote uh, from from the the older women in the in the family. And I love that scene. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, because it's it's definitely um you know painting that picture um you know besides the fact that amy is literally uh painting pictures but it's painting that picture and it it really you know it kind of neat to see um in this telling the way that the sisters are kind of processing you know that you know balancing uh their love of art you know for joe it's her writing for amy it's her painting for uh beth it's uh playing music um and you know for meg it's you know uh acting and you know balancing balancing their love for that against kind of the societal expectations of the times and what you're able to do um and 
with that you see kind of this this pitting of of these two sisters kind of not not necessarily against one another um although there's certainly part of that but you have you have joe the aspiring writer you have amy the aspiring artist and joe is really willing i think to to sacrifice for for her art for her love of of writing and and we see that and we see her grappling with that um amy is you know willing to uh take a chance and go out to uh pursue her art but you know ultimately she's not willing to maybe invest her whole life into that she's willing to give it a shot <laughs> see if it takes um and then move on whereas joe's really you know kind of committed uh to the cause so to speak um and that story and kind of those differing views on you know, their, their personal desires really kind of comes to a head and uh, really creates some, some tension and some competitiveness uh, within the family and for the, you know, the, the affections. And uh, I, I don't even know uh, how to say it of Aunt March, right? They're trying to, uh, to, you know, be the, <laughs> be the heir apparent, I guess, to That's uh, right. Aunt March. So. Yeah. Joe spends a lot of time, uh, going over to Aunt March and reading to her and making sure that she's comfortable. And so she's real mad when Aunt March doesn't pick Joe to go with her to Paris and picks Amy. She's like, why would she do that? And uh, obviously uh, it's because Aunt March is like, you're not going to marry. You've, you've told everybody that you have no interest in marriage. Um, so you're kind of worthless to me. I mean, unfortunately, that's just the way that Aunt March thinks, right? Um and uh, Joe is 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 really special in that she has no interest in marriage um, for this time. Everybody around her is kind of looking, uh, you know, to either get married or marry well, or even in her very young <clears throat> sister Beth's kind of romantical sense of like finding a person. And Joe isn't interested in any of that. She kind of wears. Um, and we talk about the costuming. I love she finds these jackets that look incredibly like feminine, yet almost um, soldier-esque. Um, she finds this beautiful green like brocade old jacket and it's got it's torn, but it still looks amazing on her. And she she's writing in it and it's got soot on the bottom. But she she doesn't even um, she doesn't give much thought to what she looks like. Um, there's a scene where she ends up selling her hair in order to um, help uh, pay a bill. And she doesn't seem to care until like the next day or two days later when she's like, oh, I really did like my long hair. Um, none of the other sisters would have even thought about doing anything like that because they're expected to do so much more. Um, which is why it's so sad in a way because uh, their neighbor, um, Lori, um, he is a grandson of Mr. Lawrence, who's incredibly wealthy and he was orphaned and he, he's played by the absolutely incredible Timothy Chalamet. His, uh, he's like completely in, infatuated with Joe. And it's so obvious from the very first time they even meet at this party, um, where the girls are supposed to turn out and be, you know, fit for society and dance and he doesn't want to dance and she doesn't want to dance. So they dance with each other. And you know that Lori is just completely smitten with Joe, but she does not feel that way. Um, and you just want to shake her because he seems really nice. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with him. Why doesn't she like him? But she just, she's just cut from a very different cloth. That one, you know? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. She's spurning, uh, like you said, those uh, societal expectations. She wants to go out and be her 
her own person, you know, even uh, within the uh, the face of the uh, advances of Lori there. Um, and, you know, you get a little bit of that kind of kind of play back and forth. And, you know, by the end of the movie, uh, you know, even even Joe is starting to have some second thoughts and uh, whether she did that. But, yeah, you get a really great kind of kind of opening uh, little it's not really an interlude, but uh, they're at this party and they go out and uh, him and Joe are dancing and it's against this backdrop of these windows that are looking inside of the party, which looks uh, really great. Um, one of the things that I do like about uh, kind of this version of it is some of the versions of Little Women are very much like uh, Lori and Joe are in love. They love each other so much, uh, so much in love. They should just be together. Boom. Lori's going to go off uh, with Amy. Uh, this one, I think, does a really good job of kind of playing both of those love stories as uh, very, very potential and promising there's some very um i i think you were talking about it uh about the actual costume of amy wearing kind of the smock thing while she's painting and there's this very intimate scene where uh laurie is uh basically undoing that smock from her before she goes off to to meet that so i mean there's a lot of a lot of that kind of stuff too where you could be like well you know really either of these options are pretty good for Lori, uh i think so it's really <laughs> going to come down to come down to the uh, sisters here to see you know what they're thinking about it um and then against that, like I said, you have it, this is all kind of bouncing back and forth between kind of this this present timeline of the sisters uh, returning to visit uh, their uh, sister Beth, who has fallen ill um, against kind of the, you know, the the timeline, you know, about seven years in the past uh, during the the uh, Civil War um, and kind of dealing with that, dealing with their mother, played by Laura Dern, um, and, you know, their father being the civil war being injured and uh then returning back home uh you know father march played by uh, bob odenkirk right yeah i i think it's it's a it's such a neat way they put this film together too because the book does not do this back and forth right it is very told very sequentially and so the only thing i would say this did not get a, a nomination for best editing and i agree with that because there were times I was very confused with yep. with what what part of the timeline we were in, right? Yeah, I have. Um, that's that's my main criticism of it too. I'll go ahead and throw that out since you brought it up. Um, it it does get a little confusing when they're jumping back and forth, and really the only way to know what timeline they're in is whether Florence Pugh has bangs or not. <laughs> right? Is that it? Okay, because even even with Joe, because Joe cuts her hair, right, and she does that when she's young, um, her, her hair gets long again, and I'm like, I I'm lost. I I kind of don't get it. Um, so that that's the only piece that I would think from a critical standpoint I would have made a little bit clearer. And you don't even know how much time has passed. Uh, in reality, it's about seven or eight years from the very first uh kind of uh, the oldest scene to the newest scene. I guess, um, the way to think about that. But these sisters, I mean, it did, they're so, the chemistry between all these actors is so nice, um, uh, which I really wanted to talk a little bit about because they really acted so much like sisters. They they fight like sisters and, and they don't get a choice as actors, right? What the script says or what the story is necessarily, but the way in which they apologize to each other and the way in which they kind of lean on each other and the way they've, um, they fight when they're really angry with each other and the decisions that they make as actors in those scenes to convey that is really special. I think it, it made me as an only child or pretty much only child, uh, really wish that I had a lot of sisters around me <laughs> or, you know, because 
they're not lonely. They put together these amazing kind of plays and ideas. And of course, one, you know, Joe writes them. Meg acts them out. Uh, Florence helps with the costuming because she loves clothing. Um, and then, of course, uh, Beth is doing all the piano work and the music around it. It's they all kind of put things together and they 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 the way that they the chemistry of these actresses as they move forward and they grow up is really special. And I think that that was one of the things that I thought was really outstanding um, in mm -hmm. this version versus other versions, um, because it, it, it's, it just gave a completely different light to what it was like for these little women who were growing up together and trying to make things work. Um, in a lot of the older ones, it was, it, there was this angst right between Joe mm -hmm. and Amy, and you didn't, you didn't really understand. And I remember being real bad when Lori just decides to marry Amy. It didn't make any sense. Um, this one really makes, like you said, it really stretches that out and really dives into the, all the reasons why. And you believe it. And then you're not as mad. You're not angry at all. You feel very much for Amy, who is terrified when she goes home and she's married poor, poor Lori. And they're standing there and she's in black because they're going back for um uh to to be there after Beth has died. And Joe is just, you know, relieved that her sister is still there and they can they can still be together and and be family and um mm -hmm. yeah, it does an amazing job of kind of exploring that kind of kind of competitive and uh, you know, fiery dislike that you can only have for someone that you really love, like, like your sister or a family member in that way. And, you know, it, it does an amazing job of exploring that and certainly have, you know, kind of those kind of those scenes that you see, you know, within, you know, all of the iterations of Little Women, you know, all the way back to the novel of, you know, Amy burning, uh, you know, Joe's uh, novel and uh, stuff like that. And obviously the stuff with with uh, Laurie there, um, but it does kind of come to a head, right, as, you know, Joe's kind of started to wrap her head around, um I don't I don't know if it's just I she's coming back to uh to her home uh to come back for Beth's uh funeral or after Beth has has died and and she's starting to uh I don't know maybe feel those feels for Lori maybe she feels like that was that was a missed opportunity but but you don't really know if it's because she's really feeling that way or if it's just because she's she's dealing with uh you know getting some <laughs> getting some uh not very constructive criticism uh from her uh teacher pal uh Friedrich played by uh Lewis uh Garrel. but it turns out that maybe Lewis just isn't that good at providing constructive criticism uh maybe he needs a, a little bit of a defter hand but I do really like uh kind of that scene where he's like well your your writing's not that good <laughs> she's like what are you what are you talking about you're not you're my writing's writer. amazing get out, get out of here and I, I love how kind of kind of headstrong uh she is so so you don't know if it's really stemming from that as much um or or you know just that she really did have feelings for Lori and she felt like that was that was a missed opportunity and it's a little ambiguous and I really kind of kind of like that because it's not as hammered over your head um as some of the other uh tellings you know particularly the older ones you know these things have gotten a little bit more deft you know <laughs> over time in the 500 iterations of this there have been right. but I really I really like the uh kind of the ambiguous nature of how each of these sisters were feeling about the decisions that they were making yeah now, I definitely think this one paid a lot more just paid a lot more attention to the shades of gray um, and the ambiguity of how that works. I love the scene where Joe is with her mom and it's after I think it's after Meg has passed. And she says, I think if Lori comes back and he asked me, I'm going to say yes. 
And Laura Dern, once again, amazing, right? And she has this quiet, comforting way in which she is as a mom in this film, which I just love so much. And she asks, you know, is it because you love him? And she says, well, I want to be loved. And she says, that's not the same as loving. Like, and then she's like, I don't know. I'm so lonely. Like, I'm just so lonely. And is this going to be my life? And it kind of reminds me of this other movie that we talked about, The Fablemans, right? Mm-hmm. Where, um, in you know, and we talk about true artists and what that looks like, you know, Amy knew she was not going to be a famous artist. She knew that she was pretty good at painting, but she had no um, ideas that she was going to be this genius art art artisan in Paris. Mm-hmm. Joe is like, I can't, she couldn't not write. She There's a period of time where she burns all her stuff and then she goes back and, and writes again that very night because she can't stop writing. She is a consummate artist in that sense. And is, is it just meant for these artists to be lonely? And is that part of the kind of the cross they must bear um, because they never are quite happy um, you know, is, is that just a thing that happens now? And it really, her, her kind of confession to her mom, where she was very confused herself about how she felt about Lori and how she felt about her sisters and why she, and coming back and being a member of the family in a different way than being in New York and teaching and, and publishing and all of that. Um, I love that scene. It's one of my favorites there. Um, because I think that growing up as a woman, you definitely get confused about, things as a person and and it just articulated it so well um and that had not been done before yeah absolutely and um you mentioned kind of her rewriting that and that's kind of one of the one of the more like amazingly impactful things where she's rewriting this whole kind of novel and she's uh laying out all these pages on the floor and uh that is a great opportunity i think for me to jump in and say that uh Greta Gerwig has this really interesting way that she directs things you think of you think of directors and you think of um ones that just make things look like super cool right like you think of like Baz Luhrmann doing stuff and stuff stuff that he does you know it just it just looks cool on screen or Quentin Tarantino he just has this way of having the actors do stuff that just looks cool right and the way that they talk <laughs> um the same thing could be said about Greta Gerwig um Ladybird in this and probably in Barbie coming up there's there's just something about the way that she frames uh, these shots and the actors and uh, the way things look. This this is like a period piece, right, from like Civil War times, but it still it just looks so cool. I think um, mm-hmm. all of the way that this stuff looks. So yeah, no, the way she's editing things on the floor and the the lighting, it I completely agree. Um, and it's it's really neat because that that area up in the up in the attic where she's writing, um, Mary Louise. Louisa Alcott. Gosh, I'm just thinking Mary Louise Parker. That's not her name. Um, <laughs> Louisa something Alcott. Oh my God. Wow. Louisa May. <clears throat> Louisa May Alcott. That's so right. Louisa May Alcott actually lived in a house with an attic. Um, and there's pictures of it. You can go, I think you can actually go visit um if you're up in the Northeast. Uh, and it's like this tiny, it's four feet tall. 
And so they had to make it a little bit bigger because they needed people to be able to stand. But I really love the way in which that whole kind of rendering of the story of the little women that Joe ultimately writes and gets published. I love the way that they show that because it's by candlelight. You see all these candles everywhere um, and they continuously go down and she's not sleeping. She's like falling asleep as she's writing and the, the way that the shot is set up and you see the pillars of the house um, kind of encroaching on her space because she doesn't have a lot of space. Yeah. I mean, she's just amazing. The, <laughs> the director really knew what they were doing. She, she was, yeah. <laughs> that, that's right. Yeah, she knew what she was doing and the sisters uh, knew what they were doing too. They get back, uh, you know, kind of for the for the funeral there for Beth, who unfortunately uh, passes away uh, here in the story. But you have uh, Joe, you have Meg, you have Amy uh, there and they're all kind of uh, kind of with their loves, right? Meg is with uh, her husband. Amy is with Lori. Um, and now there's there's a new gentleman uh, turning up, uh, as I mentioned, uh, it's the uh, the other the other teacher uh that it, joe was teaching with uh friedrich uh who who was there um i really love the scene because uh he kind of turns up you know unannounced and you know stays for dinner and kind of this whole time uh laurie is like who is this guy <laughs> what is this guy doing uh because you know I'm, I'm married to amy love amy but you know also still kind of you know joe's okay too uh who is this guy is i feel a little threatened right now timothy chalamet is maybe by this uh this uh friedrich character but so i really yeah. like that and then you know ultimately it kind of ends up uh with uh you know, them all all paired off. The, the sisters, you know, encourage Joe to go after uh, Friedrich, who has come and says, well, I guess I'm I'm going to go out west, California. There's no reason for me to stay here, right? Elbow, elbow uh, into Joe. And she's not uh, picking up what he's putting down. But uh, luckily for her, I guess her sisters and mom are like, what are you doing? Go, go catch that guy. Don't let him leave. He was just coming here because he wanted you to tell him how much that you loved him. And you do. So uh, go get on with it. And then uh, fast forward to uh, that book book publisher, uh, newspaper guy. Um, and she turns in, you know, this rough draft for this book about little women. And he takes one look at it, you know, not afraid to uh, cross out pages and things like that. He gets to the end and he's like, no, this this no good. No good at all. But luckily, he's got a couple of daughters that might have been interested in the story. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I love how he totally thinks that this is just not very good. She sends him a note and she's like, I've got this manuscript and it's probably awful. And he's like, yeah, it's not great. But uh, keep sending me the stuff like that are two pages or less where someone gets married or dies. That'd be great. Right. That's right. Yeah. And then I love the scene where he's he's at home. I guess he has a home office. Uh I guess you could work from home if you were a publisher. I don't know how that works, but his kids come in and they're like, what's the rest of the story? What happens to the little women? And then it happens. He realizes this is actually amazing because most women don't care uh, if you get married or you die. I mean, they care, but they also want to know about what's going on other than that in a woman's life. Who knew? We have thoughts and feelings of our own. It's amazing. And so... <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, he he will get his head around that, you know, maybe maybe women want to read stories about women. But yeah, at the end of the day, if you're going to have a woman in your story, make sure she gets married. Uh, so <laughs> Joe says, all right. So then it goes back. And of course, we see Joe then uh, getting with Friedrich at the train station. She catches up with them and they go. She ends up uh, getting Aunt March's house, which is nice. She turns into a school. Uh, happy days and uh, happily ever after uh, for Joe, because she is a smart cookie and she knows that there's going to be 400 
uh, different iterations of this story over the course of the next 200 years. And she wants those rights. Give me that money, says Joe. Yeah, that's right. Uh, show me the money. She, uh, I love that scene where they're bantering about a percentage and he's like, oh, if you need money right now, I'll give you $500. Now, $500 in 1865 or 1868, um, that that was probably like, I don't know, like $40,000. I mean, that's a <laughs> lot of money. Um, but she's like, nah, no, I, I'm gonna. It's like, if you're gonna make me get married in my story, then. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um, she's like, no, I'm going to keep it. Um, that's not, that's not, that's not going to happen. So I, um, then she comes home uh, to the school that was Aunt March's house. And I love how she plans this. Uh, you know, Aunt March passes and she doesn't leave the house to Amy, even though Amy was the one who went to Paris. She left it to Joe. And Joe immediately walks in and is like, hmm. What are we going to do with this house with the other sisters, right? And the Meg, the oldest, who was married to the tutor, was like, yeah, I'd love to live here, but I can't. I mean, there's a billion rooms. I can't keep up with this house. And they say, let's do something that would really turn turn Aunt March's grave, right? Just once, though. Not, not, not too crazy. Just a little. And they make the school, which is awesome. And so the final scene, it's one of the most beautifully um, done scenes I've seen in 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 a long time um you've got an amazing score kind of as the backdrop but joe comes home from getting her book and she sees she walks in the door you see all of this these school like papers hanging and little crafts that are done in different areas and and um nooks and crannies of this huge humongous house they go out to the backyard she meets a couple of people they have a cake her sisters are there um you know you've got amy you know with easels and a bunch of students in the yard learning about painting you've got frederick who's teaching music you've got um you know uh Meg, who is helping people with costuming and, and doing plays in this backyard, this very expansive backyard. Marmy, Ma and Pa are there. It's apparently it's mom's birthday. She's uh, they've got this beautiful like um, autumn orangey bright, like really burnt colored you know, roses, roses on this cake that they're giving her with a couple of candles and they're all there and they're all together. It's a really beautiful continuous scene from the beginning of the opening of the house all the way to the backyard where they're having this birthday party. And I just love mm -hmm. it. Yeah, it is a it is a really nice long shot there of that at the end, and then you uh you also get the uh the really great scene of Joe seeing her book uh being printed there for the very first time, which uh looks like uh like quite the process. The books had to have been really expensive uh back then for sure, as they're gold leafing the little women on there. So um I don't know that's that's kind of the end of the end of the movie. I know we we bounced around kind of a lot there. There's there's a lot to take in with the story, but there's you know a bunch of versions of it. So um. <laughs> you can you can you can fill in the blanks of what we missed but i think that it was it was kind of just important to talk about you know kind of what we liked about this this movie because there is so much kind of going on between the four of these sisters so um i don't know michaela i had not seen a version of little women for quite a while i didn't see this one when it when it came out in 2019 i knew obviously that it was you know very critically acclaimed and and people liked it i know i know a lot of people uh were kind of in in your boat not that they were you know hoping that it that it failed but everyone has kind of their own favorite version of little women right and every time a new one comes out you're like do we really need another version of little women and then it comes out and everyone's like well yeah that was pretty good okay um and, and then that same thing kind of happened with this one and then uh you know greater gerwig coming 
off of uh, Lady Bird, uh, you know, Best Picture nominee there. What was she going to do with it? How was it going to change? Was it going to stay true? Uh, was it going to be updated? All these things. And uh, it was and it wasn't. And it was really good. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, I actually there's this whole thing and you, you've, you've touched upon this. There's this whole underworld of little womeners. I don't know what I don't know what they're called, what they call themselves. It's, I think just little little women, maybe. Maybe. Yeah, maybe that's it. Um, but there's this whole article that I read about all the uh, feature films, all the films that have made it to the theater. They weren't made for TV and they weren't miniseries and how how closely they were to the actual book. And so one of the things that I thought was really interesting was that the 2019 actually is on the top of being, uh, for what they show, at, it's as close to um, the original text as uh, any of the others, which I find interesting. Um, but yeah, I I really wanted to hate this. I will be very honest. I love Greta Gerwig and I absolutely love Lady Bird. It's, we haven't covered it yet, but it's on our list and we're going to do it at some point. Um, I was really, I knew I had to watch it because I watch all the Oscar nominated films, but I was dreading it because I've seen so many of these and I knew that I would, I, I was worried that I was going to be once again, really angry at Lori and I was going to have to see that heartbreak again. And I was so surprised by how much I loved this version. Um, this has become my favorite version, which is saying a lot because there, I, like we've said, there's 37 <laughs> others out there um, that are also amazing in their own right. Right. I'm not, I'm not calling on any of those, but this was such a beautiful mix of amazing acting really, you know, true to the intense writing, you know, very inspired directing, as we've talked about with all the scenes, the costumes are amazing. I mean, it, it definitely deserved all the nominations that it received. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, there's, there's not a Academy Award for location scouting, but there should be because all this stuff was filmed um, on location in Massachusetts and uh, all of it looks amazing. The, the house interior um, looks amazing that they were shooting in um, and things like that. It's, it's just a really, really great version of the story that is so important to, you know, I literal like generations of, of, you know, people now of, of, you know, everyone, uh, you know, can find something to take away from this story. And obviously it's important, um, in the, in the terms of, you know, sisterhood and things like that for, you know, uh, you know, women that have sisters and how that family relation works has been, you know, kind of this temple, uh, novel and story and characters for people to, uh, kind of rally behind and, you know, get a lot from. So it's always, it's always good to see a new, uh, iteration of things like that, that are so, so thoughtfully done and so well done and uh, so critically uh, praised there at the end of it. And that is the 2019 version of Little Women. We're going to have to wait a couple months here for uh, Greta to finish her Barbie film so we can uh, keep uh, covering uh, what she's doing. But uh, what she did with this one was uh, was really great, Michaela. So kind of any any closing thoughts, anything else that we that we missed? Like I said, I know we bounced around kind of a lot, but I think we checked in with, you know, some of the some of the highlights for, you know, each of us here through the film. I don't know. Yeah. Um, no, I think we've covered most everything that I wanted to talk about any anyway. I mean, I think. Um, yeah, I, I think so. I think the fact the time period that this was in was really special. Um, and I thought they did a really good job of um, portraying the time, but not making that the 
the the focal point. Um, another another aspect of this that I really loved was the the aspect of giving. Um, you know, mommy, the Marmy, the the mother. Um, I, I, on Christmas morning, I guess the very first Christmas we all see them. Mm-hmm. They uh, learn of a of a family that is in like a one room shack that has like five kids and they're all in one bed because it's real cold in New England and you can literally freeze to death. Um, and the mom says, "Hey, I know it's Christmas morning, and we keep talking about how we're real poor, but we've got a really nice house, and we all." Um, we're all not starving. Can we give up our breakfast and bring it over to the family? And they don't even really complain at all. Um, they just say, okay, let's do it. And they pack up all their stuff and they take a trip over and they spend the morning with this family. And it it ends up, you know, that, that idea that they, there's something to give. Um, I thought that was uh, the only other thing that we hadn't really talked about that I thought was really special because, that intrinsic goodness that the the father has, because even though he didn't necessarily have to, he went to war and he's staying to fight because it's something he believes in and he wants to do what's right. And the mom in, insisting that they give everything that they, you know, everything that they have to spare to people who are less off, less well off. And then the that wearing off on the children, um, even little Beth who ends up getting scarlet fever and dying because she goes and helps the family, um, Mm -hmm. that same family. And, and, um, I think that that's really special. Um, it's very tragic, but it's also, um, something that we can all learn from because I, I definitely was, uh, what's the word? Um, when I saw all of the goodies that they had, I was really Mm -hmm. sad. I was like, (laughs) Oh, they're going to give that away. And then, um, it comes back tenfold to them, right? Um, but uh, and and I yeah, selfish. That's the word I was selfish. Um, but it definitely inspires greatness by watching watching this this family kind of work through that as well. And I love that piece to it. It's yeah. a recurring theme throughout the book, and and I thought that was really important. Absolutely. Well said. Well said. So uh, that is uh, the 2019 version of Little Women. Let us know at home if uh, if you like this version of Little Women or what your favorite version of it is, or uh, if it's one of the miniseries, let us know. We will uh, be happy to check it out and report back with what we think about that. And let us know if you mix up one of these uh, lime shrub uh, cocktails or use it for a mocktail, because we definitely want to know what you think about that or if you have favorite uh, kind of shrub cocktail recipes or any favorite uh, fruit combinations uh, for making your own shrubs. Let us know, because uh, this is something that we're definitely interested in uh, learning some more about and check out the uh, Lobby Bar episode from this past week to get a little bit more information on uh, the shrub that we did and uh, the recipe and kind of the history of shrubs and stuff like that. So uh, do that. Let us know. Send pictures, all that good stuff. You can do that on our Instagram and Twitter. It's at Drink the Movies and on Facebook.com slash Drink the Movies. If you want to see pictures of ours, episode recaps, uh, you know, more information about the podcast, you can do that on our website, which is www.drinkthemovies.com. And if you uh, really are uh, jiving with the podcast and you want to uh, support us a little bit further, Further, uh, you can do that on our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash drink the movies. We've got a lot of uh, bonus content over there, uh, hangouts, a uh, bunch of fun stuff going on. We did John Wick 4 was our Patreon bonus for the month of April. So go check that out if you feel so inclined. We definitely appreciate it. Uh, Michaela, if they want to get subscribed to the podcast, uh, leave us a review because that helps uh, get the wheels turning here on drink the movies. Where can they do that? 
You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere where uh, Spotify podcasts are distributed. Um, we do two drops a week. Uh, we would love it if you're liking what you're hearing. Please subscribe. If you're really liking what you're hearing, tell a friend. Um, we really are just knocked out by the community that we've built. Please, our Discord site is blown up. I'm so excited. There's so many people that are talking about cocktails and movies, and it's awesome. Um, come join us because it's a lot of fun, and uh, it really helps us get the drink the movies out there. Absolutely, absolutely. So uh, that is Little Women. Next week, Michaela, we are headed back. It's going to be uh, May the 4th. Uh, May the Force be with you out there. Return of the Jedi. We'll be back with our third uh, annual uh, Star Wars episode. So Return of the Jedi. We're going out to the movie theater to see that. So that should be pretty exciting. And we have a lot of uh, fun cocktails uh, coming. So you're going to want to make sure to follow the lobby bar and the regular episode next week because we're going to be doing a bunch of Star Wars uh, content coming next week. So uh, stick around. Stay tuned for all that. And uh, thank you so much for joining us uh, as we talked about little women this came as a suggestion uh recommendation or request from patreon so that's uh that's a really great way if you want to want to hear something uh let us know and we'll uh we'll do our best to uh to to do it we're very giving just like the march sisters absolutely so uh with that in mind michaela let's go i've still got like a ton of the shrub left so we're gonna mix up a bunch of these mocktails cocktails so we're gonna try all sorts of things and see what sticks and then we'll be back to talk to everyone next time on drink drink the movies. the movies. I wish all the girls would quit the school and he would die. <laughs> Lori, no. Lori. Don't go with Amy. Don't go with Amy. No. You know what he says? You know what he does say? Hold on. He says something like, I can't believe I'm getting a carriage ready for Joe to go chase a man. But, you know, stranger things have happened. <laughs> He's like, whatever. Let's do it. <laughs> I'm sorry. Who is this guy? <laughs> Sorry, who are you again?